0: This is Thursday, January 18th. What is repentance? Is repentance required for us to be saved? Is that what saves us? Now this week we've been looking at the second parable of the three Jesus tells about finding what is lost. All from Luke chapter 15. First, there's the story of the lost sheep. One out of a hundred. Then, the story of the lost coin, one out of ten coins. And finally, the lost son, one of two sons is lost. Now, Jesus is trying to show us how God values people, how the loss of not even one is acceptable to him. Now, here's our text for today. And when she, that's the woman searching for the coin in her house, finds it, She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Did you catch that last phrase? A sinner repents. Repentance. Now, this is religious language we've heard before. We know this. It's about a person who makes an about face, who makes amends, is ready to make things right. It means that you experience a change of mind that affects everything else about you. We heard this before with the lost sheep that was found. Jesus explained at the end of that parable, Luke chapter 15, verse 7, There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. But hold on a minute. In neither of the parables is there even the smallest sign of repentance. The sheep does not help bring himself home. He does nothing to rescue himself. There's no sign of change in that sheep at all. And well, the coin is just a coin. It can't do a thing. So how could Jesus be using these parables to teach us about repentance? But clearly, that's what he is doing. He repeats this word in this teaching twice. You see, among the Jewish people, as is often the case with religious people, there are very detailed ways that you could get back into God's good graces. Maybe you have heard of doing penance. You're supposed to use good acts like prayer and doing something for God to make things right that you have done wrong. Or perhaps you've been told there must at least be a feeling of sorry for what you have done. You should feel very sorry. That's the minimum, right? But how sorry does a person have to be? And on which penance must a person do? And what does that accomplish for a person? You see, in all of these things, we are focusing on the power of our will, on what we do to change our course, to lead a different life, to make that about face. That is what we do at the new year, right? We make plans, we set goals, I'm going to do better this year. But Jesus does not give us a picture of a person who is strong and can find their way home on their own or someone who had done their best to make things right with God. Jesus is not telling us to get our lives together at all. He's not telling the people to do anything. Instead, here repentance looks like nothing more than a willingness to be found, to be rescued. God is the one seeking you. God is the one who comes in search of you and who finds you. That's the beauty of these parables. We like to think we can fix things and amend our lives, but I think Jesus is showing us that that's not the way it works. On Sunday, I shared the words of Pastor John Ortberg. He explains it like this. He says that salvation looks more like saying, I can't, he can, I think I'll let him. Yes, the first step, for example, in AA is that we found our lives unmanageable. In other words, I can't do it. The good news is that the life I cannot manage, God can. You see, in the story, there is nothing like what we think repentance to be, because even that we cannot do on our own. As I said, the question is more like, Are you willing to be found and rescued by God? Will you let him? Or do you expect to pull off your own self-salvation? Now, we may wonder when we hear this, how can Jesus forgive and restore people who have not made things right? Our life with God can't be scot-free. We must do something to deserve it. But we can't, and we don't make any contribution. We must be rescued. How can Jesus love us freely? The cross is at the center of Jesus' mission, and it was not a mistake. It is the cost of his rescue of us. Everything in our lives that keeps us from God is nailed there. It's covered by Jesus. Do you know that Jesus called out to the Father to be rescued? But the Father was silent. Why? So that you might be able to be rescued. This is what we're told by the Apostle John. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's 1 John 4, 10. Yes, it's not about how much we love God at all, how much we prove to God that we're worthy of his love, how sorry we feel or how much penance we can do. We can be brought home because of what Jesus has done for us. This is how how we could be brought in from the far country on the shoulders of our Savior Jesus so that we could become members of the family of God. You see, I think repentance comes after the rescue has already begun. It is the love of Jesus that changes us. And that is what we must learn to live in day in and day out. So can you say, I can't, he can, I think I'll let him. Let's pray. Lord, we think we can pull it off. We can get our lives together and make something of ourselves. Remind us that you love us freely, not because we're good people, but because Jesus is good and has given himself for us. Help us to rejoice in this. For in your name we pray.